My guest this week is Christina Crooks, an ontological performance coach. Christina and I met on Clubhouse and I joined a couple of her rooms and I found what she does very interesting. Ontological coaching takes an in-depth exploration into who you are being. Part of her process is one, where are you currently? Two, define your short, medium, and long-term goals. Three, what are you committed to? Four, what needs to be added, removed, or transformed to align you being with your doing? Ontology is the art and science of being a human being, first coined by Aristotle. With Christina, she will help you co-create a design life where your vision becomes your reality. Christina uses what she calls a five-point star concept which targets your spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, and financial aspects of your life. I very much enjoyed this interview, and I hope you do as well. Once again, thank you for listening. Now enjoy this interview with Miss Christina Crooks. Hey everyone, I want to welcome my guest today, Miss Christina Crooks. Christina and I met on the new app called Clubhouse. Some of you may be on it, some of you may not be yet. But to be honest, I don't know how I landed in one of her rooms, but she invited me on stage. We got to talking and we had a little conversation a couple of days later through Zoom just to get to know each other. And she does ontological coaching, right? Did I say, did I say that right, yes. Christina? Okay, you cool. got it correct. And I've and then when I was in one of your groups, I saw there was a bunch of people in there that are sort of part of your family in the same coaching arena. And I went and looked it up and, and I, I still don't totally get it. So I'm glad you're here to explain it to me. One sentence I read said, some have said that ontological coaching is coaching to the human soul. You can take it from there and run with it, but I, I'm very interested and what it is that you do and, and how you help people and how you got into this. So actually, let's start there. Why don't you give me the backstory on how you got into the coaching that you're now doing? Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Um, I got into it because I, I've always been a student of personal growth and I've always been interested in the brain and how human beings work and understanding our psychology and our behaviors. So I've I've consistently over the the course of my adult life sought out different ways to learn that and I think it probably really started when I was in high school learning about choice theory by Dr. William Glasser and it's very similar to the hierarchy of needs and I found it fascinating so we would teach this to teachers and administrators and it was it was a way for them to understand their students and understanding that they were trying to meet their needs in however they behaved or performed in their classrooms. And so it started in education. And I, I thought, I love this. I love this kind of work and what this is all about. And then fast forward several decades. <laughs> and I was always looking for new understandings and new ways to put it into place. And then I started going to something called Wisdom 2.0. It's a conference that happens in San Francisco and New York every year. Last year, I think, was probably the last live one they'll do for a little while. And this year, it's happening virtually. And I started meeting all kinds of different people. And I started putting more, connecting more dots, more and more and more. And then I started doing, and then I started coaching on my own, but I was, I was not yet trained for it. And I knew there was something missing. So I was searching and searching. And 
I had met many people through Facebook and doing Facebook lives and things like that. And I came across a friend of a friend that he posted something that it, it said something like, my coach advised me to share all the growth I've had in the last 20 something years of being a coach. And he shared all the things he was free from. And I realized that the entire list he had were things that resonated with me. And some of them I had worked through and some of them I was still working on. And then others were blind spots I hadn't identified yet. And, but they resonated and I went, I need to know you. I need to know this man. So I reached out to him through private message and I said, I want to know you. Can we have a call or can we meet? We only lived 45 minutes from each other. So we said, yeah, let's, uh, let's meet. Do you, how do you want to do that? And I said, let's go for a hike, which is really funny because he actually told me later he hates hiking. <laughs> so it was just hilarious that he said yes to something he's not a fan of, but come to find out meeting him a couple of times, he had, at that point, he had been a coach for nearly 27 years, was one of the founders from a coaching organization called Accomplishment Coaching. There's two that teach ontological coaching. And I didn't know what it meant either. I just knew it was interesting and I liked him and I wanted to know what he knew. And I hired him as my coach. I mean, I worked with him for almost two years. And the beauty of working with a coach every week for that length of time in the, in the many layers we worked together was that I learned what was missing in how I was coaching people. Firstly, I was vastly undertrained and, and underskilled as a coach. And there's a very low entry point for coaches. Lots of people can call themselves a coach without knowing what they're doing. And I was one of them. <laughs> I was one of them. And um, the market and is flooded with those people right now. It is. It is. And so it's funny because now I find myself, um, I have to catch my own intolerance for that and, and have compassion that they're, they really want to help people. Mm -hmm. But I encourage I encourage people all the time, if you're interested in being in that field, please go get trained. Please find a good coach that knows what they're doing, that can guide you through that process, because you will be your first student and your first coachee, if that's yep. the right term. Yep. And um, so I, I, was, I began working with him, and it was really funny because when I started working with him, I wanted to know all of the philosophy, because the philosophy of ontology goes back to Aristotle. And he, he was, it was really about understanding your relationship to the world around you and asking good questions. And that for me checked the box of having gone seven years ago when I was going through my divorce to a place called the Option Institute on the East Coast. And it's part Option Institute and part the Autism Centers of America. And I have several friends whose children are autistic and they go there regularly but I wanted to go for Option Institute. And Option was very much a philosophy on life and how your environment can change when you see with different eyes and you look at it differently and you change your relationship to it and your context that you're identifying things and, and discovering. And so that, that was in alignment with choice theory many years before. And then when I found my coach, it was in alignment with Option Institute. All, all around options and choices and how we choose to show up for our life. And then I went through Landmark, Landmark Worldwide, which mm -hmm. is a yeah. very much based in ontology. And they, they do it in a, in a much more um, masculine way and a, a little bit more aggressive way than I do, but, or even my coach, he's incredibly gentle. 
And um, I started working through all these things that I had noticed had been blocks for me. And one of my things was that I know. I love to have, have the answer. And there's actually neuroscience that backs that up. We get a hit of dopamine and um, adrenaline and maybe a few other neurotransmitters that reinforce us being right and people telling us, oh, you're right, oh, you're right. Mm -hmm. So I was addicted to that. And, and I still love it, but by talking about saying that I love it, I can, I can identify when it happens so that I'm not stuck in that pattern. And I, I consistently put myself in spaces where I'm not the smartest person in the room by design. So working with him and being professionally trained as a coach changed the game for me. And it changed my life. Not only how I found and operated with clients and discovered new clients, but how I operated in my own life with my partner, with my relationship with time, my relationship with money, my relationship with how I worked for others and how I worked with others, my relationship with failure, all of those things. And at that same time, I was working at a small special needs school doing all the business development. So I was applying it constantly with the kids I was working with. I was applying it with the, the, um, California Department of Education and how I operated in that and noticing when I was in resistance and frustrated with how the school systems work. And I was able to constantly change my context. And that doesn't mean it was always simple and easy, but I had different tools. My toolbox was growing. And I think the biggest thing that shifted in that process was I, I kept going back to what is the difference between a really good a really good friend that can operate with you on all these different levels and a coach because I was having great conversations, but it wasn't necessarily leading to outcome. And that's action, being able to take purposeful and intentional action every day and being able to supply them with co-created actions that I can say to them, how about, how about we try this? What do you think about this action? And I, I used to ask it that way. Now I just give them actions <laughs> based on what I know about them, but it's never homework. And people can then get on the court of their life and go and apply the things they're learning, regardless of whether it's perfect or not. That's not the goal. The goal is to be in action with your life so that you're constantly in a yes and conversation with the world around you and identifying what works and what doesn't work. And so ontology is really about our relationship with everything externally being in alignment with what's happening internally. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Whoa. And this is like a really good time for you and I to talk in my own life. You know how things just show up, right? I assume they show up at the right time, right? That's the hope is that all of these things show up at the right time when you're prepared for it, or you can handle it, or it's time for you to take the next step or whatever the case might be. And I'm going through I'm beyond a midlife crisis because, uh, you know, it's like just had my 59th birthday. So next year is a big one. When I do things, I do them well and I'm hard on myself and I want to do, I want to be really, really successful with all that I do. So I'm going through a lot of things right now on my own, trying to say, okay, well, what is it that I, I want to offer the world? How can I serve? And at the same time, the financial piece of it is a large portion of it. And I, heard someone say the other day, I watched the video on how we're almost internally programmed, right? At a young age and whatever that means for each person. And so you literally could have 
the, the matrix is set up where you need to break out of certain habits that have been formed internally through your system, how, however you're wired, however, I forget how it was put, it was put really well, but it's like, you might have uh, adversity to financial freedom. There might be something internally that you just keep blocking that the fact that you can't go out and become very wealthy and, and help to serve others. And if we just talk about money for a second, because you mentioned it in that there, there were different aspects, right? You, you mentioned um, money and, and then like three other things. I forget what they were. Time, uh, money, time, and my relationship with others. Okay. So let's just talk about the money piece for a second, if you don't mind. So I don't mind at all. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know where it comes from, but we think of maybe making too much money or wanting to make money or wealth or all of that in, in a, in a dirt, it's like a dirty word. And I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how we get it. So maybe you can, if you've dealt with this with clients and even dealt with all it the time. Okay. So let's pick that apart because I think that's a yeah. big, that's a big thing. And, and I, I'm interested in knowing who would come to you and need that sort of help? And I would assume pretty much everybody because we all seem <laughs> to have that problem. So. Everyone's got funny money stories. Yeah. You know, so let's has some story around money. So I'm going to shut up and let you talk about what you do with that sort of thing. Yeah. And you're good. That's, um, that's awesome. There's two things I'd say to that one. I've picked up a, uh, a new saying recently that I learned from a new friend of mine named Glenn. And he, he has spoken of this, this phrase that I is part of my toolbox. Now, if you don't know why you believe what you believe, those aren't your beliefs. If you don't know why you believe what you believe, those aren't your beliefs. And so often we pick up things from our families and things from culture and things from society that we feel we should believe that we take on into our beingness and, and things like money is money is bad or money is dirty. Or if I, you know, especially for healers and people in the space of, of healing that if I charge or if I charge a certain amount, now I'm just manipulating people. Now I'm just taking advantage. That's a really common belief set of uh, if I'm going to do this, I should just give it away and do it for free. Well, when, when people are in the healing profession, what I say a lot of times is you do a disservice to people when you don't get them to put their money where their mouth is, because they won't show up the same way. If you, and you can think about the times that you pay for something versus go to a free event. If it's a free event, you think, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal if I don't mm -hmm. show up. But if you pay for it, your butt's going to be in that seat yep. or on that call or in that conversation because you've paid for it. You want to get what you paid for. So it's, um, that there's a transaction that happens in that. And when people are very relationally based, they don't want to mix the transaction into it. It feels awkward. It feels awkward because it goes against a lot of the belief systems that are one of the pillars for that category of people. There's nothing wrong with it, just identifying that it's a blind spot and it's something that's keeping you stuck. So I see wealth as a five-point star and I see wealth as spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, and financial. And if your financial health is out of whack, it's going to send off bells for your wellness. Because when you're doing something that is a paid service, the one, one exercise I use with clients all the time that seems to be helpful, which is good because I love it. I love using it. So I'm glad it helps them. 
think about the last time you paid for something that you loved paying for, whether it was a massage or a plane ticket somewhere or a, an experience or a coach, whatever that thing was. I loved being able to pay my coach. I loved being able to pay to go to Wisdom 2.0, even though it was you know several hundred dollars. So, and there's other events that I've been to that have been much more than that. And, and I was so grateful to do that. Well, if, if you've done a lot of things that you were regretful of, that may be impacting your own money story. And most of the beliefs that we form happen around seven to 10 or somewhere in there, because that's when, as children, that's when we start to identify that we are separate from the world around us at seven years old. And so we start identifying what we need to do and what we need to say to be part of our communities and get connection because it's a natural ingrained human need to connect with other people. So we do things that leave us feeling connected. If we come from a family, like I came from a family that didn't, that was incredibly judgmental of people that were really wealthy and felt that it was, they were vapid and, and all these different things. So it's, so for me, it was difficult to address the money story because I felt the same way that a lot of people that are healers who come to me feel. I have felt that. I've stood in that place. And there was a switch that happened where I went, oh, in order to get their full commitment in the work we're doing and then be committed to themselves, they have to make this investment. It's a high quality investment. And I had a client say that to me in the last year. I said, what made you decide to invest in coaching specifically with me? And he said, you're high quality. And I wanted a high quality investment. And I went, well, dang. <laughs> but then I put that, I backed it up by, you know, it's, it was, it's not about me. So even though that feels good, like I just, you know, rub it all over my ego. It's at the same time, it wasn't about me. It was about this person making a budget for something that was for them. Most people don't have a budget for coaching or personal growth. So it comes out of something else. They have a budget for their car, for their house for their bills, for their kids, but they don't create a budget for them. And the, the core of everything that I do is self-love and, and being in alignment with yourself so that every choice you make, every action you take is based on this alignment with self-love and self-respect and self-esteem. And if you're out of whack inside, you're going to make choices that are out of whack and you're going to see it reflected back to you in your environment. You're going to have breakdown in relationship, breakdown in communication, breakdown in your money. There's going to be something that is not working. And that's how you know. But breakdown is the predecessor to breakthrough. So when you're able to look at that from a place of non-judgment or just be aware that you're judging the crap out of it, either one works, but be curious about what's happening. Like, huh, I'm trying to do this outcome. But the keyword is trying because it's not happening. I'm not having this outcome yet and I'm not being this outcome and I'm here and I want to get there. So how do I close that gap? And the gap is in baby steps. Baby steps are still steps. And there's a great quote by Lao Tzu that says a thousand mile journey begins with a single step. And so when it comes to reprogramming ourselves and looking at new belief systems and taking on a new way of being, it's a collection of small steps that we've taken. And a lot of times when people are addressing something large, like how they relate to money, which is a large thing, 
they they think, oh, if I if I change my beliefs, it's all going to work out, right? Well, you you can change how you think, but then you have to put it into action. You have to practice it. You have to fall down many times, and done is better than perfect. So you you take on a new belief and replace a new belief. You start trying it out, testing it out, and see what works and what doesn't, and observe yourself. And so in talking about money, you know, the other thing is that people can go the opposite where they charge a vast amount of money, make a lot of money, but it's not fulfilling because they're again, not in alignment. So they're using someone else's system or they're doing it in a certain way that maybe does con people or does do something that's just out of alignment with what's true. And so they're making a lot, but they're unhappy. Because that happens too. People can be wildly financially successful, but their relationships are falling apart or they're, they're not in a good relationship with their children or their partner or their friends. And so they're running this racket of their life that looks like they're successful, but they're not because their relationships are a shambles. So in order to be truly wealthy, you really have to have all five points. Yeah, it's that's interesting. A, it's a really big, long answer. <laughs> no, no, it's that's great. And I think you you hit a good point because we hear so much these days, the, the conversation is mindset, right? And right. so it's, it's mindset, it's asking the universe and letting the universe know that these are the things that you want. And then stacking on top of that, telling the universe, thank you, I'm grateful for what you did deliver. And so the more you're grateful about those things, the more of those things will come your way. And so I know all of this sounds foo-foo, but lately I've been really trying super, super hard to change my mindset about stuff. And I've always been grateful. I've never had a problem with being grateful about stuff. I mean, you drive by a homeless person and I come home at night and go, oh God, I, I get to sleep in a bed and I have a roof over my head. And I can go to a refrigerator and pull out food when I'm hungry. And so all of those things go through my mind all the time. And by no means am I in any sort of financial distress. I make a great living and I'm happy. My ultimate goal would never to even be thinking about money. Like I have enough of it that I just don't ever have to think about it. That is kind of like this pie in the sky for me where not only do I have enough or I, I don't know, like, what is enough? I, I that's a probably- right. it's a, a relative term. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't, that's that, that's not a good term, but I never want to think- Financial freedom. Yeah, really. I, I just never want to think about it. That would be awesome to be able to have an, that amount of money to A, not think about it, and B, to help family and friends, and then charities and all of those really cool things. So when it comes to- when it comes to that kind of financial freedom, there's, there's a line between a couple of things that you mentioned. There's certain weak words that we have vibrational words, but then there are ones like hoping, wishing, and wanting. And if you're hoping for something, you're just going to get more hoping. If you're wishing for something, you're going to get more wishing. If you're wanting something, you're going to get more need and wanting. So the mindset piece is absolutely there. The key is to not end up in a place of denial and to be aware of where you currently stand in your financial status. Like, what are you doing? What are your current behaviors and taking inventory of that? And when it comes to mindset mixed in with that, there's one phrase that totally drives me crazy. And people say it all the time, positive vibes only. 
And they say that in context to a lot of things, but it can be around money too, positive vibes only. And it, what it does is it's, it's a toxic positivity as though you're not supposed to talk about at all the things that are challenging for you. The key is to absolutely talk about the things that are challenging for you and do not stay there. Recognize that's where you are and that's what's happening and that's what you're doing. And that a part of you has created the reality that's around you without turning that into total blame and a shame storm. And so recognizing where you're at and then being able to go, okay, so what do I need to add, remove, or transform in order to get maybe what are my liabilities and what are my assets? What do I currently have outgoing and what do I have incoming? Where is there a block? Is it my, my management of money that it just can't, I just can't hold on to it? Or is it my ability to generate? Am I having a problem generating? Or is it not having work? Like, am I, am I having problems working with people and I'm changing jobs all the time? Like, what is it? What, what are some of the bottlenecks that are keeping me small and keeping me held back? And what am I afraid of? So if you start, and that's what ontology is all about, is looking at what are the best questions to ask to move this from judgment? Because judgment is a brick wall. It's just, this is the, it's a right and wrong thinking, black and white thinking that keeps you stuck in an old pattern. But if you can transform that into curiosity with asking yourself the right questions, you can start to move that energy in a way that is more playful and fun, even if it's a hard topic. We talked about mindset, but you made a really good point is that it's not just mindset, but it's action. You could sit here all day long and think of all, you know, unicorns and rainbows, but unless you do something and put one foot in front of the other, it's, it's never going to, never going to materialize. Right. So that's the other key. I mean, there's a bunch of people sit around and think happy thoughts and absolutely. Think, yeah. What are the type of people that come to you and want to work with you? It tends to be creative leaders. Okay. People that come to me tend to be creative leaders and creative okay. entrepreneurs that are either running a team in their company or this background is in sales and business development. So I understand that realm. And now I apply it to what's happening internally and how do we get into action? Because if you really want to simplify it, the key points that I always hit on with people are what are your beliefs? What are your intentions? So what's in the past? Where do you want to go? And what are the actions that we're taking to close that gap? And that's, that process is with every growth mindset rather than fixed in their way of being lifelong students and learners. And they're curious on how they get to their next big leap and their next level and how they can live into their zone of genius. And so my job is that if you, I see people as balls of, of yarn and it's a matter of teasing away the yarn that is covering up the beautiful sculpture underneath and once we can tease all of that out, now you get to operate from your truth and from who you really are and what lights you up. And it, it means you're going to risk. You're going to risk being seen. You're going to risk showing up. And there'll be days that you have to be disciplined in the actions that you take and the movements that you make so that you can close that gap because it won't just happen to you. It's in a, a co-created relationship with you and the world around you. So if someone was to pick a coach and they, the, most people just think when they, when someone says to them, Hey, you should be, you should be being coached by someone. 
you need a business coach, right? You need a personal coach. You need something. How do people choose the type of coach that they would work with? You specialize in something, the work that you do. It's, it's just, you're not a generic coach, right? So how do people understand that they need to come to you as opposed to just picking a business coach? Yeah, that's a great question. Okay. It's always one that I'm trying to the internet's really yes. acting funky, so I don't know what's going yes. on. Yes, it's a great question, and it's, it's always when I'm trying. I work with a lot of creatives, people that have a lot of projects going. They're high performers. They've had successes before, so they know what that feels like. They have that historical data that we can we can push on for future endeavors and a set of tools that they've already built that I can help them apply that to other arenas. So to distinguish who I am, since a lot of people don't know what a, what ontology is or what an ontological coach is that helps you really gear in on your performance. So if you know where you're going and you have a clear vision of what that is, but you're trying to identify what the steps are to get there, I'm not, my job is to not be the expert of you. Your job is to be the expert of you. So I'm just reminding you that you're the expert of you and your life. And we're just teasing it out and going, okay, what works, what doesn't, what works, what doesn't, what works, what doesn't, where, where is your zone of genius and where is it not? Where is the inspiration and where is the obligation? And how do we identify the differences of those things? Because people come to me for a whole host of different reasons. Then life shows up. When you have a very specific coach that is niched, they don't always operate at all those speeds. So they, they're very good at maybe writing a business plan or doing the business stuff. But then if you have a breakdown in your relationship, they can't, they can't support you there. I wanted someone that could operate at those levels and could move with me because I move in all those different arenas because I'm a human being last I checked and all of those things happen at the same time. So I, um, so when I work with someone, I work with the whole human being and we work on their business. We work on their relationships. We work on how they're relating to their life because when that is in alignment, anything is possible. The rest, you can go find someone to help you with a business coach. If you want to be more specific, if you need someone that's just working on energy work and you want to go find an energy coach or an energy intuitive, you go do that. If you need a naturopathic doctor, you go find that. So those are definitely niching into specialities, but mine is the whole human being in front of me. And how do we get you solid so that no matter what you're approaching, you have a, a projects into the world. That's my, it's my arena. Got it. So and my zone of genius. You help anyone that is conf confused about their purpose. Does that ever come into play in what you do? Um, I, I can support people in that, but I typically don't bring those on as clients because it's, it's a long road <laughs> <laughs> and there are coaches that work with that more specifically. Um, I, I want people that know their vision and know where they want to go. They're just having trouble identifying what the next steps are. That's cause that's my, my lane. That's my zone of genius. So I can support people with, you know, answers or questions or, exploring it here and there, but I usually don't bring them on as a long-term client. Perfect. That makes sense. And that's, what's cool is that you, you have a lane and you stay in it. And that's what makes your coaching so good is that you're not trying to be everything to everybody. Right. And I think, you know, sometimes people that 
think they don't know what their vision is actually do. They just have multiple visions and they're not sure which one to focus on. So it's actually pretty rare to find people that are floundering and don't know what their vision is. Those people don't tend to gravitate to me because they're looking for an external answer of someone to fill a void in them. And I will not speak to someone's smallness. I will only speak to their greatness. So if they, they learn pretty quickly that if that's something that's offensive to them, they don't want to hang around me because <laughs> I won't reinforce someone's smallness. That's perfect. So there are three things we, that you brought up earlier. It was the financial, the time and personal. Is that right? Relationships. Relationships. Okay. So we talked about financial. What about time? So when it comes to time, people are either um, overly rigid or always late. <laughs> and then there's everything in between. But I, I used to very frequently fall into the always late category. And, and it was um, to keep it PG for people watching. My coach said to me, when you're always late, you're either F you to the other person or mm -hmm. F you to yourself. And it was so shocking to my system for him to put it in that kind of, so if that's how it's being, how it's showing up, I need to look at my relationship to that. And what I was doing was I was over committing to so many things. I was missing things all the time and, or I was getting too absorbed in one thing and then being late to something because I am surrounded by a lot of people that take their time really seriously and they're, they're very in integrity with their time. And if I was late to them, it was offensive. And that's understandable because now I'm on the opposite end and I, I can notice myself feeling that if people are late for me or they miss a scheduled time and they've blocked time on my calendar, it's super disrespectful. And when you take responsibility for your beingness in time and space and how you're showing up, it changes the game. And it's, and I say that in Whenever I say changing the game, I just, what I'm really saying is it changes the full context and how you relate to the world. And when you're clean in how you operate in time, you start attracting other people that are clean in how they operate in their time and they're in integrity. So if they say they're going to be there, they show up and they're there. If they say they can't, then they, or if they if they can't, they say they can't. So you start operating at a much higher vibration where people are true to their word and being whole and complete in who you're being, which is taking full accountability for your behaviors and your actions. Perfect. I loved how you explained that. Perfect. So the other piece is relationship. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Relationship in the context of the, the people and the things that we're committed to. So um, not just relationship, like an intimate relationship, but it's, it's really, it's two, th two different things that people run into all the time, their relationships, their actual relationships with other people, and then their commitments to different things. And all of these, these four things, money, time, commitments, and relationships, they all bleed into one another. And if you're out of integrity, or if you're in breakdown in your relationships, it's likely going to affect your time and your money. If you're out of integrity in your money, it's going to affect your relationships or your other commitments. So when it comes to relationships, recognizing your impact on other people. So for example, in a clubhouse room, if someone comes in to, they come on to speak on a stage, 
but they're going, the, the moderators are going in order and that person launches into say something say, Hey, can I just jump in? And they don't wait for an answer. And then they launch into a 15 minute story. It's impactful on the rest of the room. And now you're, you're, you're basically saying, I don't care what anyone else has to say. I only care about what I have to say and the sound of my own voice, because you didn't even wait to, to find out if that's okay. So noticing your impact on other people around you is what I, what I'm usually referring to when I say relationships. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on on Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So is there anything that I missed that you want to talk about? No, I feel pretty complete. I mean, I can, I can talk all day long. So if someone would like to work with you, how, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So the easiest way is probably just go to my website, christinacrooks.com, and you can book a call right on there. You can book a complimentary coaching call and experience what that's like. And uh, you can, I'm on all the social media platforms. They can send me a message that way. So find me on Facebook and send me something through Messenger. You can find me on Instagram and send me a message that way. But the easiest is to get on my calendar and we'll have a conversation and talk further about what's, what's happening. Okay, perfect. I appreciate you being here with me today. And it was fun for me to learn more about what you do. And I hope that you continue to change lives with your coaching and help people get through various stages in their life. And I guess the key is to love themselves. To uh, Self-love is super important. I think we're finding that more and more each day. So I appreciate your work on that. Totally. Thank you. Christina Crooks, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate you. I'm glad I met you in Clubhouse. We will continue our conversations there. It would be awesome to have another conversation. But thank you again for being on the podcast. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. I know you have many options to listen to various podcasts, and I'm honored that you chose to listen to mine. I would love it if you would rate my podcast five stars and write a nice review. It really helps to bring up the rankings of the podcast to other listeners. Once again, thank you so much for listening to The Joe Costello Show. I appreciate you very much.